Ladies and gentlemen, it's another episode of Pastors of Pain. I'm Father Brian O'Brien, pastor of St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church in Stillwater, Oklahoma. I'm joined by my co-host, my friend, almost out of school, Father Kerry Wakulich of St. John Catholic Student Center. Oh, there he- yeah. Bacon, it's applauding itself. We are uh, we are the two Catholic priests here in uh, good old Stillwater, Oklahoma. We are, and it's Lent, and it's a blessed time. Uh, the season of Lent is really flying the most by. Wonderful Easter, time. just a couple weeks away. Uh, Holy Week yeah. coming up. We hope you're gearing up, and we hope all those dates are on your calendar. Oh yes, not just Sunday Mass, but. Holy Thursday and Good Friday and the Easter Vigil on Saturday night, April twentieth. Uh, the Chrism Mass. Uh, we'll yeah. talk. We'll, maybe we'll talk about that more. Maybe maybe next week we could we could dive into Holy Week and really br- you know break it open. That sounded like a beer opening. Um, we'll break and that open. So that's what we'll Easter's. do. That's what we'll do. That's what we'll do next week. Remind me. Remind me. Remind me. Re- remind you of what? That, for next week. About what next week? That we'll talk about Holy Week. Oh, okay. Is okay. that happening next Write week? Write that down. Write that down. Okay. I don't want to forget it. Let's see. Holy You're remind Week. Me. Yeah. Okay. Usually it's the other way around in our relationship, by the way, here, yeah, folks. Yeah. But you have a pen and paper in front of you. I do. I do. So there we go. Okay. Uh, we, uh, one of the things that, that oftentimes... A lot of people don't see, you know. So pe- you, you're you're like you're a Catholic, and you come to you come to church all the time. There there are things that happen in the church that a lot of people don't see. Okay, let me guess. Can I guess? Uh, okay. The geothermal system. Well, yes, that. It's okay, buried, well, okay. it's buried under the ground. Uh, okay. Uh, Do you have geothermal mo- at St. John's? No. Are you going come to? On. It was built in '62. Okay, I don't know. Who had geo? This is Stillwater. We're very advanced, very progressive. Yeah, it is a college town. Okay. So okay. Now, what else? What else happens? Like things that that are, that happen a lot in in the, in the Catholic Church, but people ooh, don't. Ooh, let me guess. Sunburns from the clear windows in the church. No. Okay. But, okay. Let, but there are. I mean, it is hilarious. Okay. Uh, let me guess. Third there one, are people. Third, third one. I just want to let me finish this point. Uh-huh. That there are people at St. Francis Xavier. Because if you've ever been, you know, we have this beautiful church and we have clear windows. Yeah. We don't have I love stick, it. We don't have stick. You love, do? I love clear windows. Don't, don't take it. You're talking. <laughs> Just kidding. The, <laughs> and there, it is nice, but we are going to do stained glass windows. But there are people who, on, a, on like a clear, sunny day, they wear sunglasses during Mass. Really? And I don't blame them. I mean, I'm not, mm-hmm. and I'm not mad at them. Because the retinas It's funny are... to like, I'm preaching. I, and, you know, when, and when I preach, I. I make a lot of eye contact and, you know, and then you like, you're looking at someone and it's 10 in the morning and they, they got blue blockers on. They got shades. (laughs) (laughs) The future's looking bright for them. I mean, so, whoa, 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 you didn't let me get, I got a third 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 guess. guess, Third guess. Ready? Things that are going on. That a lot of people, your average parishioner doesn't see Mm. happening. Plumbing. The plumbing. That. Yes. The movement of waste water yeah, of through the building. That's because it's and, all underground. Okay. Well, those are those are three what valid things. What I was things. thinking of, oh, Father, pl- is what a lot of people don't see is um, weddings. What? Who doesn't? Weddings. I, I, 
I go to a lot of weddings. Well, you do, and I do. I like to move it, move it. He likes to move it, move it. I love wedding dance parties, too. Okay, well, I was talking about the sacrament of marriage. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's you're, awesome. You're as bad as all the brides and grooms out there. <laughs> what? They just, hey, uh, let's... Can we just like do something at the church real quick so I can have a big party? <laughs> you're as bad as the rest of them. Who says they're bad? I think you're a bad person. All my friends are heathens. Take it slow. <laughs> oh man, but I'm anyway, in a good mood this what's week. What's funny is so it's so it's Lent and so it's kind of like you know Lent and yeah. we're, we're we're fasting and we're praying and we're almsgiving and and so we don't necessarily always think about sort of celebratory things. Yeah. But what's happening under the surface, I know in your life and in mine, are dozens Oof. of couples yeah. that are preparing I love it. for marriage. Love it. And so uh, we thought we might just maybe talk about kind of how that works. Yeah. Uh, maybe give, give a little uh, marital advice out there. Uh, can we, let's, let's start with this. What business do you have, Father, as a celibate man giving anyone marriage advice? Go. Well, I've never had. I don't a, think that's a good answer. <laughs> I love when someone, when someone said to me, "They're like, Father, how can you give advice?" What do you know? And I said, "Well, I've never had a foot amputated." And the guy was like, "What?" I'm oh. sorry. I was like, "Well, one of my friends had his foot amputated, and he called me for advice." And there was this long pause, and I said, "Well, I've never had my foot amputated, so what good of advice was I to him?" And he was like, "Oh." I said, and you've never been a celibate priest, so what advice do you give me? Yeah, people on give us cel- advice all the time. <laughs> Father, I know you're celibate. Let me give you some advice. And I'm like, well, you've never been a celibate priest, so you can't give me any advice. Nor have I had my yeah, foot amputated like it's my bad buddy. Logic. It's bad logic. It's bad logic. So I think mostly because we, as priests, we, number one, we grew up in families. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. So we, we, we have that experience. And I go to families' homes. We have brothers and sisters who are married. Yeah. We have friends who are married, aunts and uncles who are married. Mm-hmm. And then, from at least as a priest, I am involved in hundreds of marriages. In the confessional, we yeah. hear about marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, in counseling, we hear about marriage. Yep. At funerals, we hear about marriage, and then we've been, we've both spent you know the, most of our adult lives as priests helping people prepare for marriage. Uh-huh. And now, what's really fun? This is actually like on the on kind of now on the other end. I've been a priest twelve years. You've been a priest uh, nine this May twenty ninth. And so now we see like couples that we married, you know, six, seven, eight years ago. And now they're having kids, they're starting families. And so now we're getting like another, you know, sort of side of marriage of, cu- you know, a couple we prepared and married. And now yeah. they're, you know, I have a couple, the couple, I did a, a wedding, I don't know, it was two, two weeks after I was ordained. And now they're, you know, they've been married almost 12 years and have four children. Like What? Yeah. Awesome. Tommy and Margot Griffin, shout out. Woohoo! Um, but anyway, so we, we're not necessarily experts on marriage. I mean, we're not. But we know, we know a fair amount. Yeah. Okay, so here's my, my number one, can I say my number one pet peeve <laughs> about, you, about weddings? Go. So people, some, you're, gonna, you're thinking to yourself, oh yeah, I bet you don't like mothers of the bride. I've actually never had a problem with that. Yeah. Oh, I bet you don't like, you know, that the, the, the bride and groom only care about the party. I, that's actually also not been my experience. Right. I find the couples I work with, uh, generally speaking, care deeply about 
the, the sure. those ceremony itself and making it very meaningful and scripture and all that. Um, my number one pet peeve is when a couple gets engaged and then sort of does all the planning and then like calls the church. They've, they've, they've gone out of order. All right. What happens a lot of times, sometimes is they, you know, they, they, they say, okay, we need to get the reception place. We got the DJ, we got the caterer. And now let's call the church and make sure that that date works. Yeah. Okay, that's <laughs> no good, people. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Because at a church, any church, um, at, at St. Francis Xavier, which is like a nice church that a lot of people want to get married in, number one, there might be other weddings at that yeah. day or, or at that time. Like 17 of them this year that are Yeah, OSU there's students. a bunch. We got a bunch. But then there's also days when, like, we don't do weddings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't do weddings on Good Friday or Holy Saturday. Yeah. Uh, we typically try to avoid, you know, weddings on, uh, I mean, we'll do them on, on like a game day or something like that. But there's just, there's times when, you know, if Christmas is on a Saturday, we're not going to do a wedding on a Saturday at Christmas because there's one priest and it's not happening. So anyway, call the priest first. Get engaged, call your mom and dad, change your Facebook status, and then <laughs> call the priest and figure out and, and get, that, get that date on the calendar before you start doing all the uh, auxiliary stuff. Would you agree with that? Is that am, I, am I crazy? Uh, I think you're... Am I being overbearing? You are not being overbearing. You're, okay, you're spot on. You're spot on. That's wonderful. Okay, so what? tell me, tell me a, a secret... Of marriage preparation with couples that you have discovered as a priest, you're like, I, this is really wonderful to get them to do this. One of my favorite, one of the first things I ask a couple um, when I when I meet with them in my office. So we, you know, we get to know each other. How did you guys meet? And you know, things like that. Because yeah. a lot of times, they think this is your experience too. Sometimes you know one of them better, yeah, than the other, and so you want to make the other one feel, you know, like. Like you want to get to know them because I because I do. Sometimes sure, sure. one of them is Catholic, one of them is not, and so they maybe they've never like met a priest. They've never they're kind of nervous about oh I don't know about this Catholic thing. Uh-huh. One of the things I like to ask couples is, tell me about the biggest fight you've ever had. Mm-hmm. And then what I'm waiting for, I have a secondary question, uh-huh. and the question is, how did you resolve it? Yeah. And with that question. I can tell a lot about a couple. Um, one is, are they going to be honest with me? If they if they turn to each other and say, "Oh well, we've been together for five years and we've never we've never had a fight," okay, bull, <laughs> not true, not true, right? You you've had disagreements, right? You had maybe not knock down, drag out fight, you know, but you've you've had disagreements. So what's the biggest one you've ever had? And then how did you get out of it? Or in some cases, maybe it's still going and has been, you know, for a long time. But I, I find that to be just a nice intro to kind of get them to open up mm-hmm. and, you know, what, what's, what's going on? How do you guys resolve the issues in your life as a couple? Yeah. Marriage what about pre- you? Well, I think marriage preparation is critically important right now. Because uh, right now, what the stat is like, 52% of, of marriages end in failure. And then there was that New York Times. Ever seen that article from the New York Times? It was an op-ed article. It was a case study done in North Carolina in like 
2010. And it was a research analyst who basically, like, at the end of hanging out with her friends for a couple weeks and visiting friends, she realized all her friends were getting divorced or were divorced. And so she started looking and she's like, like, asking questions, asking questions, asking questions of all her friends and found out that 75% of people who live together before they're married, they cohabitate Cohabitat, whatever. They cohabitate <laughs> before they're married, get divorced in under five years. And so they, they, hadn't, they haven't mm. really worked out all of the kinks of it, but they know 75% of people who live together before they're married get divorced in under five years. So conventional wisdom would say, and I, I've, I've seen those stats, I think it was a Rutgers, Rutgers University study, or maybe we'll try to find it. Yeah. Um, that would seem to go against conventional wisdom. So I think the, the 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 wisdom of the world would say, we you absolutely should live together before you're married. Take it for a test drive. Figure because out if you like you've each got other. It, right. And and now you're you know you're used to each other. You know each other better. I'm I'm doing air quotes at yeah, this point. Yeah, yeah. We're on the radio. Um, and then when you're married, you you've now you've had all that experience, and your your marriage should be better. The statistics do not bear that out. The odds are not in your favor. As a, I have a priest uh, friend who, when he, I, I don't do this, but it's, I think it's worth saying. It's a little dramatic, but he, when he meets with a couple, and they come in and, and they're, you know, getting to know each other, and he says, "Well, what? Tell me what your living situation is," and they say, uh, "We're, you know, we're, that we're living together." He kind of shifts in his chair. He does a little, a little, sh- you know, kind of sits up straight. And he says, okay, um, I appreciate you, you know, sharing that. Um, I just need you to know that now I need to treat you as a high-risk couple. They are high-risk. And he says, like, I don't know, you know, like makes people cry and stuff. Like, whoa, whoa. I mean, they are. But, because but if true. you get divorced, you're going to end up in therapy. Most people well, get, get some sort of counseling okay, sure, after, sure. after therapy yeah. <laughs> or after, after a divorce because it's not like – Oh yeah, we just. But just why? So why, why, why would it? W- it would seem to me, and most people, that living together before you're married would be better for your marriage. Statistics say it's worse. It, what? Why? It, it, I, I've come down to the, this after effect of entering into marriage. A couple who does not live together, and move, and then gets married and moves into the same house immediately has to start sacrificing. Ooh. And there is no greater love than to lay down one life for one's friend. Somebody famous said that. Um, Jesus, not my <laughs> not my buddy who's a carpenter in Tulsa, Jesus, who uh, or not my uh, <laughs> He's my cousin. He's well, he's not my cousin. He's my cousin Jesus. He's my is my sister, my sister-in-law, oh. my sister-in-law, so it's okay. my cuñada's brother, Jesus, Chewy. Okay. Yeah. So it's not Chewy who said that. Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus, and so when a couple moves in together immediately after marriage, they have to start sacrificing for each other day one. Such as a, I asked a couple one time, and they, I said, "Tell me the funniest thing that you learned about your husband." Um, and she said, "He likes to pee and talk at the same time with the bathroom <laughs> door open." And she says, "She goes, Father, I hate every second of it, but I have to like." Like I have to make sacrifices like to be able to talk to him. So, you know, there are these moments in marriage where there's great sacrifice 
from day one. Yeah. And if you're not willing to lay down your life for your friend and sacrifice for them, then you're, yeah, probably, if you're, then in marriage, you're not going to be married if you're to you're in marriage for yourself, your marriage is in trouble. And, it, it, and we're not willing to do, I mean, most people are not willing to do giants, huge sacrifices. They're like, that's too big. But there, a lot of people aren't also willing to do little bitty sacrifices. And there's some things like, you know what? Um, she puts the spoons in the dishwasher spoon end up. And I like them spoon end down. And so there's these little moments like I'm willing to sacrifice my way of doing things for the other person. That's how you love. I mean, that's love. That is that. I mean, it's that just little act of love. So I always thought like if people could communicate, they can get through everything. They could, if they could communicate. So, you know, like they can get through anything. And I've, I've had to start figuring out how to make them sacrifice for each other. Like, how are you going to start right now laying down your life for your friend? And I I think that's the most critical thing uh, in a culture that often doesn't, I mean, chiefly. No, we're in it for ourselves. Yeah. It's the I generation. And marriage, yeah. I mean, if you're going to get married, your marriage is, you're in it for them. Yeah. Uh, I heard a priest say one time it was a there was a talk on a John Paul II's theology of the body, and he said uh, he that he he works with couples and he said one of the things he says to couples is if you're uh, if you're sexually active if you're sleeping together before you're married um, the only thing that that really proves is that you'll sleep with someone you're not married to. Oh, stop! Yeah, that's what it does. So when exactly. when you're married and somebody you know they find someone more attractive that they want to sleep with you you've kind of you kind of already know that they'll sleep with someone that they're not married to because they slept with you mm-hmm we should we is this, is this a pg-13 podcast Woo! Woo! kids yes. parents turn the volume down <laughs> okay so um, the beauty the beauty of marriage though is also i like to teach couples about what marriage is so Tell I'll us. start with Tell like us. a gospel presentation on the book of Genesis and I'll walk them through the days of creation. Male and, and female, he male created and, them. And the male, he created them in his image and after his likeness, he created them this way, good. And then I'll pair that up with the catechism chapter one. It says, um, God infinitely perfect and blessed in himself and a plan of sheer goodness, freely created man and woman to share in his own blessed life. And by means of this, I'm quoting this from my brain. I'm looking the, at him right now. He is not reading this. Uh, I usually read it upside down to the couples. And it, it, and it's he calls man to seek him, to know him, and to love him with all his strength, uh, calling all of them scattered and divided by sin into the unity of the body of his church. And, and so it's this beautiful, like, what is the human being made for? And so I try to like Love. weave that in with the catechism and with uh, Genesis. And then I talk about, you know, that whole story, because the story of the scriptures of Genesis to the book of Revelation is a story of marriage. You know, God marrying his people right at, at Genesis. God wants to marry you. Yeah. And then that and then what happens when sin enters in? Like when the enemy shows up. Yeah, I always like I always like to talk to them about like the serpent. It was, I think it was Scott Hahn who gave like, he says, you know, it's, the word is not serpent. It's Nashon. It's a, it's a Leviathan. Mm. And one of our professors gave us like that description in Hebrew of Leviathan. And I always think of it as like, 
um, an orca. Remember when we watched uh, Shark Week that time and that orca uh, killed that great white shark? They made a whole show about the, the great white shark and the and the killer whale. Yeah, like killer Going whales love great white shark livers and they hunt them down and kill them. And so who doesn't? Yeah, you know, at, the, at the book of Genesis, we're not dealing with like a little bitty snake. We're dealing with what? We're dealing with this ferocious, rational beast yeah. who wants to destroy not only the couple's relationship with each other, but the couple's relationship with God. And then the rest of the Old Testament is all about the restoration of marriage, because anytime God speaks to his people, he says, let me tell you a story about marriage. Let me tell you the story. He, you know, uh, Hosea, he sends out Hosea out and he says, Hosea, go and marry uh, a prostitute named Gomer and then tell Israel that you are in a relationship like this. Or even they say you prostitute yourselves with, um, with, the, uh, with the gods Another on the God, ma- yeah. yeah, with the other gods of uh, the other nations around you. So there's a whole story. And then what does John's gospel begin with? John's gospel. In the beginning was the word. Exactly. He's John is retweeting Genesis. He's bringing that Genesis back up, and then it goes through the next day, the next day, and on the third day, the sixth day, there was a wedding in Cana in Galilee, and Jesus was yeah, there. John too. And yeah. so there's this story of this new marriage, this new wine, Woo! this new love. Love it. And then if you keep going in John's work, the book of the Apocalypse. What is the story of yeah, the, the Revela- book? Yeah, Revelation is. It ends with this bride so the whole story of the scriptures from genesis to the book of revelation is a story of a marriage and so this is the beauty that this couple yeah, you're is stepping. about you get to participate in that yes as a married couple as it's man not and just woman. about following all these rules and laws it's like how am i living out this divine marriage how am i letting heaven and the holy trinity come and dwell in my life as a married couple, how am I protecting heaven in her? As a married couple, how am I protecting heaven in him? How am I keeping this family on the path to the kingdom of God in virtue, the the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and in sacrifice? Woo! I said, check, baby, you check, be, baby. You should one. be a priest. I, I am one. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Do I, I do. So that what do you do? Sort sort of practically uh, speaking, and I guess one of the reasons one of the reasons we were, we were, it, this was on our minds is because we have uh, coming up one of the things we do kind of I think special in Stillwater, partly because we work well together and yeah, and so we uh, get with um, some couples here in town. Yeah, uh, some wonderful Catholic couples um, who are who there are themselves you know happily married and are and are also good teachers, easily relatable. Yeah. And we bring together at their house, at the couple's house, uh, these couples who have been married for a little while have have, have families and 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 these couples that are engaged uh-huh. that you and I are working with. And so we have that coming up. Yeah, it's going to be super fun. And and I I always ask, are you sure you want forty college students in your house? Yeah, and they say yes. Are you sure you want 40 college students? Where are we all going to (laughs) park? Yes, I do. Yeah, no, it's awesome. So we did one in the the fall, right? When was that? Was that? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it was in the fall. And now we're, anyway, we're doing one again. So we're going to do this a couple times a year, but it's a wonderful, it's kind of a local um, marriage prep. Marriage retreat. What? And it's it's twice a year. We do it in the spring and we do it in the fall. And we talk about human sexuality, communication, and love. 
and then how to relate with your children, how to talk to your children in the right way. You know, it was a couple of years ago, I think the first time we did this, one of the kids who was two at the time, and now he's four, comes down and is like, is crying. And his dad just like picks him up and like puts him in there and just starts rocking and him. And keeps talking. And ki- just keeps yeah. talking and doesn't like break a moment. And I'm like, like, what? And dudes, the dudes afterwards, the guys were like, Father, how I do didn't you- hear anything he said, but that was awesome. But yeah, and that's where we want what we want them to learn. Yeah. So it's, a, I mean, I think something that you and I as priests take very seriously um, as a ministry. I mean, there's a lot going on. We're pulled in a lot of directions, but I think we both make it a real priority uh, for our people here in Stillwater to see that they're, you know, as prepared as as possible. Um, I think the best, probably, the, you know, ideally the best marriage preparation that a, that a, that a man or woman gets is in their own family. Yeah. Um, oftentimes that though that's not that's not the case. Um, one of the things I do with couples is you know is really kind of identify what what in your in the family you grew up in. What do you want to bring to the mm. marriage? And in the family you grew up in, what what's staying what's staying out? You know, uh-huh. so someone will say, Oh, my mom and dad, like they were so they were, you know, they were so like loving to each other, but like, well man, when they fought, ugh, like I don't like I did not like the way they yeah. they fought. Okay, so let's not bring that. Yeah. Um, I didn't like the way they raised us as, you know, disciplined us or I didn't like a TV uh, in the house. They just sat and watched yeah, TV all day. Yeah. Yeah. Do you two things I, I do with couples is one, I I try to discover how their parents solved arguments. Yes. And uh the second one I try to do in the communication section is is when is your best time to have a conversation? Yes. Brilliant. Because if like if yours is in the morning and yours is at the evening and you're talking in the morning and you're talking in the evening, you're just like passing by each other. It's like, okay, uh and just how to use proper vocabulary and distinguishing words. And so if you don't understand what the other person say, ask them to clarify. Yeah, when you say stuff like, you, you, always, oh. you, know, you always talk down to me. Oh, okay, N- no. I mean, maybe yeah. sometimes, but always, that's... that's and another thing I try to teach them is uh, don't say I'm sorry. You have to say, please forgive me. Ooh. You have to say, please forgive me and then fill in the blank. And the other person responds, I forgive you, and they have to say the same thing that you said. And it's because people will say, hey, Brian, uh, I'm I'm sorry for uh, spitting in your milk the other day. It's okay, Carrie. It happens just like that. I didn't spit in your milk. It's okay. I poured the milk on your bed. Uh, I forgive you. <laughs> yeah, Pope Francis. He once said the five the five words that will save your marriage are "I love you" and "I'm sorry." Yeah, but you're saying don't say I'm sorry. I'm not saying that. Play, I love you. Why do you hate? Please Pope forgive me. <laughs> I don't hate Pope Francis. Okay, good. I love you. Please forgive me. Seven. <laughs> I love you. Oh yeah, that okay. Seven. 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 Last, it's, uh, whoa, words, yeah. seven. I mean, that's Sabbath. Like the that's seven that's last boom. words of Jesus. Wow. I love you. Please so if me. you would, all you listeners out there, wherever you are, uh, let me make two requests. One, would you pray for our retreat that we have coming up mm-hmm. with our couples here in Stillwater? It's going to be awesome. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. So hey, brother. We are looking forward to And then I would just say wherever you are, especially if you're here in Payne County, um, that do, do what you can where you are 
to build up marriages in your in your your own marriage that you're taking care of your own marriage if you're married if you're preparing for marriage if you're you know younger single OSU student maybe uh-huh. uh are you praying for your future spouse if you're called to the vocation of marriage start now when it's not like oh well as soon as i meet someone i'll stop sleeping around and getting drunk all the time no <laughs> stop sleeping around and getting drunk now <laughs> when did you stop praying for your future vocation your wife I never really heard that, like, as a kid. I never did either. I People were like, but what if you were praying for... I didn't. Yeah. But what if you were... That I was didn't. not part of my upbringing. I didn't, I didn't really write a letter that. to my future wife and then burn them on ordination you, day. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite thing about the day, the day before I was ordained a, um, a deacon uh, was I gave, I gave away all my ties. Yeah. That was awesome. And I've never worn a tie since and never will ever again. But anyway, pray for strong marriages. We need it, right? But then also think about what Father Kerry said about the the, kind of those biblical images of marriage. There's a lot there. Beautiful. And if that's, uh, if you want to know more about that, um, I'll give you, I'm going to give out Father Kerry's cell phone number. (laughs) I want you to call him at all hours of the night and ask him questions. Oh, we were out of time? Okay, never mind. I'll give you his number next time. Oh, please. I won't forget. Thanks for listening to Pastors of Pain. Check us out on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or the uh, St. Francis Xavier SoundCloud account. You can listen to us on Pete 94.3, AM 780, and the Oklahoma Catholic Broadcasting Network on Wednesdays at 3.30. God bless you. Peace.